Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Let the games begin on this week's episode of the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. I'm your host today and aren't your games master, Mr. Andrew Oje, as we go on the hunt of our lives on this episode of the Middle Seats Podcast. Let's meet the contenders. He's got bigger calves than Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Nate Lungarini. <laughs> How we doing, everybody? Oh, ready, ready to run. Let's do it. His roommate's got bigger calves than he does. That other voice you hear in the background, he's the alien versus predator requiem of this podcast, Mr. Jake Hensler. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, That was a demoralizing one. (laughs) I felt bad for you as I was saying it, and I wrote it. That's a wet towel to start this thing off, man. Normally I have a comeback. That was just like, oh, excellent. Okay. Well, Jake, here's the thing. You can get on my good side as the game master here if you just agree with some of my points that we're going to talk about later here on this Middle Seeds podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, as I mentioned at the onset, the Middle Seats Podcast is the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Our show is divided into three segments. The first, we kind of talk about a topic that is on one of the members of the crew's mind. It's lobby talk. Then we move to the biggest news of the week with our news segment. And then we get into our feature review of the biggest movie happening right now, usually. Today, it is of Shane Black's The Predator. So... We're already apologizing ahead of time. Jake gave us a big diatribe ahead of time. So if you hear sniffling and coughing, you know where it came from. Jake, would you like to explain yourself? Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this thing called a cold, but some people catch them. I happen to be one of those people in today's day and age. Um, Yeah, that's just about it. I kind of sound crappy. I kind of feel crappy, but the show must go on, right? Right. I just figured he should apologize to you, the audience, first before we start. I'm not going to apologize for being a human being. Mm. Oh, then apologize to me, because I'm the one who's got to edit around your okay, season. Okay, yeah, 100%. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. There's already tension. I can tell this is going to be a great show. Let's get yep. to my possibly controversial lobby talk topic. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby. So, guys, this is going to be a very deciding segment for the Middle Seeds podcast because a lot of people are going to come out with different opinions of me, I feel like. Some people are going to be like, he's a revolutionary. He has some of the best ideas I've ever heard. He sounds amazing. Forget Jesus. It's just him. And then other people, well, okay, maybe that was a little strong. A lot. (laughs) Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, And then other people are going to think I'm a sociopath and basically Larry David incarnate, which I don't think I am. There's just something that's been on my mind lately when I've been going to the movies. Now, of course, we put all this emphasis on, you know, don't talk, don't text, don't use your cell phone at any cost in the movies. It distracts from the movie-going experience. And yes, that's completely true. I'm not disputing that at all. But there's a greater evil in my mind. And this is one that, for some people, is integral to the movie-going experience. But maybe there are people that are like me that... You're getting to a big dramatic moment. Uh, Jack is about to kiss Rose or something like that. The Joker is about to take down Batman. Freddy's about to get fingered. Whatever, you know, popular movies oh, out there. Man. I have never seen the film. I'm assuming that happens sometime in the movie. It's in the title. <laughs> um, but anyway, you get to the big dramatic moment and you just hear 
crunch or like a gulping sound or just a slurp and it just jolts you out of it. And I know, snacks are a big part of the movie going experience. A lot of people can't see a movie without popcorn, without a drink. Um, but for me, what if there was an option where I could go to a movie and none of that stuff would be there? It'd be like, you know, it'd be like going to the theater. Sometimes in the theater you can't bring food and drink in because it distracts from the immersive experience. And I think movies are similar to that. I know we keep treat them more casually, but at the same time, what if we had snackless screenings? Now, of course, no extra charge. It might even actually be cheaper to go to these screenings. Um, we would only do a few a day, but if you get caught with food, it's kind of like the Alamo Draft House with texting. They throw you out. So lesser price, but at the same time, stricter enforcement. So... I don't know. It, it's just been gobbling around in my mind recently. Even people I love going to the movies with, like some people maybe on this podcast or some people not on this podcast, like to eat a lot at the movies, and that's fine. <laughs> what do you think? Jake, am I crazy? When you first pitched this, I had a feeling I knew where you were going with this. Um, I, I think it's an interesting idea, but I'm a big snacker, and I always need, even if I'm not snacking, I need water. I drink a lot of water. Uh, so personally, I would not like that, but my counter solution to your problem is, uh, when, so when they say silence your cell phones now, tell everybody, open your snacks now and please eat quietly or something like that. Mm. Just cause I understand what you mean. I hate when all of a sudden we're like 45 minutes in and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. I'm like, shut up. What are you doing? You're right. Keep well, it down over there. Or when people, I I can't get I can't get over the people that bring in the fucking full styrofoam, and it's like, I'm sorry, is this a five course meal? What's going on right now? <laughs> like, what are we doing? You have a fork and knife. You shouldn't be eating in the theater. I don't know about you guys, but the AMC by me is now called an AMC dine-in theater, where they literally serve you. Bur- they can you you can get burgers, mac and cheese. You can get like like ice cream shakes. You can right. Uh, there's a bar. So you're not gonna sell them with this, but um, right. Well, going in, you know what to expect with those. So that's different. Right. And I'm, again, I'm not proposing every movie screening do this, but, you know, like a couple a day. I don't know. what Nate, what are you thinking about this? Well, I, I'm definitely more on Jake's end of the spectrum here. There is a reason that I'm pictured in our nice little logo here with some candy in my hand. Mm-hmm. And that is because every time I go to the movies for something I really want to see, I get Mike and Ike's. That is my tradition. Now, to counter that, I also am one of the most impatient, rushed eaters in the history of the universe, and nine times out of ten, I'm done with those Mike and Ikes by the time the previews are over. That happens to me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not going to be your crinkler. Um, I, th- I think it's just something that a theater decides for itself. If you, if you're like more of a a blockbuster type of movie theater where you only are really showing blockbusters or uh, like crowd pleasing comedy movies. Cause there are theaters that do that only focus on those types of movies. Then I honestly don't think you're going to have the demographic that's going to want to follow that rule. And it'd be specific to the theater as a whole. And then you might have some more artsy movie theaters that want to show more indie stuff. And maybe that demographic would prefer not having snacks and crinkling going on because those movies are quieter in general right or stuff like that like there's there's a lot of give and take there's a lot of hypotheticals thrown around here if you had to say like a national movie law saying every theater must have two silent uh foodless screenings a day 
I'd be against that. Just because I feel like not enough people would care. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of coming up with an amendment. I wasn't saying, like, mandatory slap the ban on. What do you guys think about doing it on a movie-by-movie basis? Because, guys, one of the biggest hits of this year, you know, I, I think you guys know where I'm going with this. One of the yeah. biggest movie hits of this year requires you to sit in the theater and— Shut and, up. Yeah, right? A Quiet Place, of course, is what I'm referring to. Like, and that was a prime example. Quiet Place is one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie of the year so far. But, you know, the experience could easily be ruined if somebody is just crunkling away. So would it be something where, like, would you be more willing to consider it? Like, for the big blockbusters, the fucking speakers will blow everything out anyway. For movies like that, would you buy into it and have those select screenings? Yeah, if there was a movie like A Quiet Place that, um, and it came out and it advertised, like, yes, um, we actually are restricting snacks for, I don't know, 25% of the screenings. Like, we recognize you can't take snacks away permanently, but, like, a quarter of our screenings will have no snacks. I would absolutely go no snacks for that kind of movie. Right. It's an interesting concept. But then, like, Jurassic World 2, where I don't even care, sure, I'm going to want my snacks so I can hold myself over while this garbage is thrown at me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they could do kind of like what they did for uh, Sausage Party or uh, Happy Time Murders, where... It's not on the theater as a responsibility to enforce that kind of rule, but the movie itself puts a little disclaimer before the movie actually starts saying, hey, this movie is best viewed in silence. Um, kind of like saying, hey, this is a not a kid's movie like those movies did or something like that. Hmm. Okay, so I think we have the inklings of an idea here, gentlemen. Um, right. I'm not saying that <laughs> you need to come on to my Kickstarter idea, but... I don't know what kind of... GoFundMe, Andrew, at... Yeah. What, what GoFundMe would this be anyway? Just give me money to use a think tank and think of other ideas to pitch... Yeah, that would be a stupid GoFundMe. But Zach Braff made a <laughs> I would not movie on GoFundMe. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts on this? I just thought it was an interesting idea, and it's been on my mind recently. Yeah, I, I hate when people are loud in general. I think the phones are worse. I hate when somebody's texting or taking pictures. I want to... I would love to take my snacks and throw them at them. Yeah. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. I cannot stand a phone. They drive me absolutely nuts. I don't care who it is. It drives me insane. Just be courteous when you go to the movies, whether you're eating, drinking, um, or God forbid, on your phone. Just be courteous to people around you. Yeah. And don't be a jackass. I think that's all we can ask. Shut up and watch the movie. Yeah. (laughs) So I think the message I got from this is that Jake would like uh, snacks to be replaced with weapons to throw at the people on their phone. Got it. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) There we go. Predator weapons, Uh, why not? (laughs) That'll do it for this edition of Lobby Talk, and let's transition into some really big news this week. Let's get into it. And this just in, a Newsbreak special report. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So guys, show of hands that the audience will never see, verbally show of hands, who has watched the show Avatar The Last Airbender, the Nickelodeon show? I. I have seen parts, not all. (gasps) <gasps> I, I have seen I'm I'm kind of I'm with Jake I've seen two seasons I haven't seen the third but I know what happens um, what it's I, I know it, it like uncultured swine they took it <laughs> off Netflix you want to talk about uncultured let me watch on yeah I would 100% it's for free on Nickelodeon I think or at least it was alright anyway well of course it was a really popular uh, Nickelodeon show in the still mid is. to late 2000s still is a lot of people consider it one of the greatest animated shows of all time. It is. Maybe one of the greatest TV series of all time. It is. And from what I've seen, I definitely can't dispute it. It's beautifully animated, well-written, has amazing action just across the board. It's 
it's prime fodder for some kind of adaptation. Uh, the show ended in the late 2000s, and then we got we did get a movie um, in 2010. If you want to call it that. <laughs> if you can call it a movie, correct. Uh, you probably don't know it as Avatar, The Last Airbender. You know it as simply The Last Airbender because of the blue cat people a year before. And it's probably one of the biggest disasters of the 21st century. Uh, 6% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Several Razzie just wins. To, just to qualify that, the biggest movie disasters of history, not like regular history, right? And why would I tell? Why would I equate Last Airbender <laughs> with nine eleven? You, you were the one that went there. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was going to make a joke, but nothing I was going to say was in good taste. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, movie dull, flat, laughably acted, awful acting, horrible editing, kind of racist, like a little bit. Like we don't have time to go into the whole politics of it. Um, but given the fact that it was made by M. Night Shyamalan, that's particularly shocking. Just awful. Awful, awful, awful. Now, you know, we've been looking for redemption. And who's better to sweep in and reboot things and give all the money to the world than the 33-time or whatever time nominated Emmy streaming service, Netflix? Netflix has apparently struck a deal with The Last Airbender's co-creators Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Codilenzo to oversee a live action series. Aang, Sokka, Katara, they're all going to get their day in live action. Nate, I know you probably have some kind of strong feelings about it. We haven't really talked about it. What are your thoughts? I (laughs) call me a purist, but I really don't feel like this is necessary. The animated show is just so perfect in its own It'd be like trying to remake The Godfather or that talk to try to redo Memento. They were already perfect forms of their own movie. There's no need to redo it. If they wanted to continue like the Avatar world in live action, like a Legend of Korra sequel in live action with new characters, by all means, go for it. That's a cool project. You could probably do a lot of fun things, but you don't need to retell the same story we already have access to in live action just for the sake of saying, I want to try it. Um, it's the same thing that Disney's doing with all their animated sequels now. I'm, I've been against that wholeheartedly, and I think it applies here. I think the only redeeming quality is that the original show writers are brought on to oversee this project, which is huge, because that means at least the vision will be in the right spot. It's like... Uh, J.K. Rowling working with Harry Potter. Even right. if she isn't directly involved with the production, at least the guidance and the supervision is there, so that way it isn't a complete farce like The Last Time Brender mm-hmm. was. Yeah, that that movie was basically made by people who I felt like never watched the show. So you know at least somebody that watched the show was going to be behind this part. Uh, Jake, preliminary thoughts? Um, I mean, I don't have quite a strong opinion as Nate does, obviously. Generally, I'm okay with it, but... I think I'd rather Netflix just put the original show on their streaming site. <laughs> but it doesn't that seem like a simple option. Yeah, yeah I, I, oh. I mean, like, I'm, o- I'm okay with it if they can get it right. I'm pretty much okay with anything if it gets done right. But I would really like them to, I don't know, give us the original show first, at least. I'd like to f- actually watch it all the way through. Yeah, I, I feel robbed that I was never able to finish it. You still can. I don't know, because I feel like it, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's hard to elevate perfection even more and a lot of people feel like that is a picture perfect series from start to finish but there are elements of that series that i think if done well could look really cool in a live action format it could feel right. epic 
You know what I mean? So I'm conflicted. And I also know that they deserve a mulligan after that first attempt. And they need something to kind of wash that away. I mean, it's it's hard. That's the last Avatar-related thing that people remember, besides Legend of Korra. You know what I mean? About the main series is that movie, which completely desecrated everything that that show stood for. I remember back when that first movie, when that only movie came out, uh, Reels Channel, which was this YouTube channel, they had like first fan reactions and those were always almost always positive they would come straight out of the movie and they'd be like what did you think and they'd be like that was the greatest movie ever i love twilight mm-hmm. or that was the greatest thing ever i love batman or whatever that they would get positive reactions pretty much every single time the last airbender uniformly negative 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 and you know i feel like that failure still stings for a lot of people and i know they have the original show to go back to but i think this if it works, could be just a nice, like, compensation for what happened before. A, we're a sorry. palate cleanser. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I'm just going to keep harking back to how this animated form is just so good for this series. A lot of the show's charm came from just the things you can do with animation. You can have characters, like, instantly change to completely exaggerated emotions for comedic effect and then cut back to the drama whenever you needed to with this really awesome art style that just was like this perfect storm that appeared in the original show could you get something similar with real actors sure could you get cool effects with cgi sure but like we already have it (laughs) why are you gonna why are you gonna just rehash yeah well i think our opinions will continue to form as we learn more and more who gets cast in certain roles. Yeah, that'll uh, be pretty key, too, I think. Yeah, like, I hope they... I'm just taking a guess that Sokka and Katara this time will not be white kids, but I, I guess we'll find out. Uh, <laughs> I guess we will. So that, we don't have a timetable on it, but it could be coming up. And now we move to a couple of huge superheroic tidbits here. One from DC and one from Marvel. Let's start with the DC one, which was... This shattered... Pretty much the movie Twitterverse last week. All the big critics were away at festivals, but this was the news of the day. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Henry Cavill, who has played Superman three times now, he is going to be parting ways with Warner Brothers and will not be playing Superman again. Now, this has not been confirmed by Warner Brothers or Cavill's camp, but The Hollywood Reporter is one of the top outlets in the movie reporting industry. So when they publish stories like this, They're usually pretty true. According to The Hollywood Reporter, negotiations between Cavill and Warner Brothers broke down after he was supposed to possibly appear in Shazam, which of course is coming out next year. The talks fell through, and then after that, contract talks about future movies kind of broke down, so there is doubt that he will ever come back to the role. Plus, he just signed on with Netflix for a big adaptation of the video game The Witcher. That could be a big multi-million dollar project that he is working on. So that would be Batman and Superman. Doesn't matter if they're fighting anymore, if they're not going to be here anymore, you know? <laughs> Apparently Ben mm-hmm. Affleck is leaving too. That, of course, that hasn't officially been confirmed, but that has been everywhere for like a year and a half now. So, guys, a major shakeup. Did Thanos snap his finger and make the two biggest actors of the DCEU besides Gal Gadot leave? Uh, Jake, what do you think? I mean... The DCU's been obviously struggling heavily. Um, mm. I thought, I like Cavill as Superman. He's not like blowing anybody away, but I think he's good. I, I liked him. I know he's a little dark and gloomy. I think that's the writer's and director's fault more than his personally. I think he had he might struggle with some bad scripts, but I generally like him. I think he's pretty good. 
But I also think this, I don't know, man. If I'm the producers at DC, I'm just, I plop down on my chair and go, ah, what, what do we do now? Like, like, do we just do what Marvel did and scrap Spider-Man and X-Men and go with our side characters? Like, I don't know. I think they're, they're in a lot of trouble. They just potentially lost Batman and Superman. I think they have a lot of thinking to do. I say burn it down. <laughs> End with the DCEU as we know it. I'd be okay um, with it at this point. Start over. At this point, your biggest draws um, as character properties to this franchise is Batman, and by extension, the Joker, uh, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Everybody knows those characters. And two out of four of those are now out of your universe. The Joker is has been pretty universally poorly received yes. and they have this whole weird side project going on with a completely different take on said Joker. That's just going to confuse audiences to hell. And then you have Wonder Woman, which has so far been pretty universally praised. So you're one out of four Gal Gadot, get out, <laughs> just get out. I, I don't see how this universe is salvageable. We'll see if Aquaman can pull it together, but that's that's a that's a hard ask to go from saying I am the franchise that owns the two most iconic superheroes of all time to saying I have Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just somebody put it funny like the fate of the DCEU now based on a 200 million dollar project that Entourage treated as a joke, which is Aquaman, which is of course coming out mm-hmm. in, a, in a little bit. I was kind of getting a little peeved by some like revisionist history I was saw, seeing on Twitter. People were, like, posting, like, these, like, big gift tributes to Henry Cavill, like, the definitive Superman, we'll miss you. You did such a great job in the iconic role. Thank you for your service. Like, first of all, like, he was a veteran. <laughs> Second of all, like, like he was the definitive. He was better than Christopher Reeves, better than Brandon Roth, you know. And I just want to kind of set the record straight. Henry Cavill wasn't Superman until, like, halfway through Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was a version of a person that called himself Superman, but, like Jake, like you alluded to, the writers never gave him a chance to be that character, and it's kind of disappointing that he finally started to develop into that character, but the rest of the universe is such in shambles that he, both sides seem to be walking away from the table. It's disappointing, because Henry Cavill proved, especially in Mission Impossible Fallout, that he does have talent. They just wasted him. They made they took all of the fun out of Superman for so long that by the time we got to any, it was too little too late. Yep. Now the question is, where do we go from there? And I like the metal like Nate, you kind of broke it down well. The Wonder Woman's beloved, the Joker movie is kind of confusing, but it's different. Um, I want to read an excerpt from a piece from Matt Singer, who is a this editor in chief over at Screen Crush, and he kind of has a idea for what the DCEU should do that I kind of want to put by you guys. So he's saying they blow up the universe like we are. Like, the universe, goodbye. Stop trying to copy Marvel. But he is saying that he takes they take these classic characters, do these, like, little one-off stories like they did in the comics, and just go crazy with it. He's referring to a 1990s uh, series called Elseworlds. So here's the excerpt. The results were often risky and imaginative. Some of my favorite comics as a kid. There was one where Batman became the Green Lantern of Earth. Another, a Batman, a Victorian Gotham City, hunted Jack the Ripper. One of the most famous of those imagines a planet reshapen by Superman's rocket from Krypton landing in Soviet Russia instead of Kansas. That one is awesome. Right. I've read that one. It's great. So, like, the, the conceptual thing is DC can't beat Marvel by copying their model. 
They beat him by doing what the competition can't, which is go off and tell these crazy one-off stories and then just reset. Now, I know we feel like the DCEU sucks right now. It does. But do we still want to see them go for a universe, or would we rather these one-off things? I think that the one-off stories are great, and it's an untapped market, because superheroes have the really cool property that basically anybody who knows even just like a brief snippet of the character can instantly just relate to the characters because the roles are so iconic that you can instantly just say, okay, here's Superman. I know Superman. Let's see what Superman does. You can get away with not having any exposition in a superhero movie nowadays just because people understand that type of hero's journey played out on screen. So taking the molds of these characters that everybody already knows and you don't need to explain their origin story a million times over and doing something cool like uh, Superman Red Sun or um, like a true comic adaptation of one of those one-off stories, I think is a great idea. And honestly, I think it's the only way to save any sort of DC live-action franchise at this point. I think it really depends on how they handle that. Like if they, if they're for some reason not ready to scrap this universe yet, the only thing holding them down, I think, is how successful Wonder Woman was. Um, so if they didn't want to abandon that, they need to just go. Okay, we have no Batman, Superman, but everybody loves Wonder Woman right now. Let's front load it. Let's make her our leader, our star, and have her basically be the Captain America of the New Justice League, and just shape, forget everything and shape that way, and head full steam ahead with Wonder Woman at the forefront. Or, like most people are suggesting, they can scrap it. You know, they're already failing. So trying something new, if they fail then, they've already failed. So, you know, I don't see how to harm in trying something new other than losing money. Right. Which they're kind of doing already anyway. So Could they keep Gal Gadot if they wanted to do these one-offs? I think they could. You know what I mean? That, yeah. I think, then Go I think that would, be, that would be dream scenario. Um, I also right. wonder if the public is ready for that kind of drastic change. Like... Would everybody be ready for Superman to take place in Russia? I think yes. They're already so? starting to with this Joker movie. It's completely separate from everything else we've seen so far. I think, like, yes as far as where we are in superhero movies. I think no as far as DC needs a break. You know what I mean? Like, they need to take, like, they'll need to take, like, a two to three year sabbatical and then jump into these projects. Because people will be so, like, the general audiences will be like, okay, what happened to the Justice League and stuff like that? You know what I mean? That's just, I'm of two minds about it. There's a lot to go into about this. We have to move on. Yeah, um, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this will come up again at some point. Let's move to the more successful older brother, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They released the trailer for their latest adventure, Captain Marvel. War is a universal language. I know a renegade soldier when I see one. So you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. I keep having these memories. I think I had a life here. I'm not what you think I am. Captain Marvel is the 21st movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's directed by Anna Bonin and Ryan Fleck. Of course, it stars Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Jude Law, Ben Mendelsohn, Clark Gregg, Lee Pace, Jimon Hansu, and many, many more. Um, we don't know a lot about plot right now. We know Captain Marvel will play a huge role in Avengers 4, 
Set in the 1990s, her own solo adventure, she makes a return to Earth. She's already had her powers, although it seems in the trailer she doesn't seem aware that she's from Earth. But she's in, caught in the middle between a conflict between the Kree people, which, of course, Ronan the Accuser, the big baddie of Guardians of the Galaxy, he was the Kree, he was a big radicalist. And then the Skrulls, who are very popular in Marvel Comics and probably will play a huge role going forward in the MCU. There's a conflict between them, it ends up in Earth, and we have a movie. Now, of course, anytime an MCU trailer comes on, there are strong reactions all over. Of course, this is number one trending on YouTube right now. Millions and millions of views across a couple, just a short few hours. Initial impressions. Jake, let's start with you. What did you think of the Captain Marvel teaser? Well, before I even get to that, do you think Kevin Feige just sits back and watches the YouTube views just go up and up and up and up every time he releases something? <laughs> just back in his chair, pours a glass of whiskey, and just goes, ah, let's watch this go. <laughs> it's expensive bourbon at this point. Right. Oh, it's yeah. kind of made. You're absolutely right. <laughs> he owns an island, so he just he You're just right. harvests it from there. <laughs> um, truthfully, I actually only watched it once, but I'm about it. I'm, I mean... Marvel could show a trailer of Johnny Knoxville and Jackass, and I'd be like, excellent, I can't wait. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. But <laughs> They're realistically changing the speaking, genre. Yeah. <laughs> realistically speaking, yeah, I'm excited. I think Brie Larson looks good. Uh, it's cool to see Sam Jackson looking younger. I think the action looks pretty good. The punching of the grandma is interesting. That was awesome. I can't wait to see what that's about. Yeah. I can't wait to see what that's about. It just, the, the, the fighter pilot angle, I'm just, it's all, it all looks good. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait for another trailer, and I can't wait for it to come out. It's going to be good. From my end, this is kind of just like a, a flashback to when Guardians of the Galaxy's trailer first dropped for the first one, where I realized, holy cow, I don't know these characters anymore. Huh. I have no idea what their powers are. I have no idea who their main baddies are. Like, these are just like such a void of my nerd knowledge here. Um, and Captain Marvel is is the last of that line, like... My understanding is that she's kind of like Marvel's version of Superman, but a little less OP. Uh, in either case, it looks definitely like classic Marvel, uh, not really showing us too much, but just getting the hype building, and I think it's doing a pretty right. good job of that. Yeah. Um, it definitely reminds me a lot of the Wonder Woman trailers as well, um, where they're obviously focusing on the fact that this is the first female-led solo movie of the Marvel Universe here. Mm -hmm. And so on that standard alone, it's going to be held up to some pretty high standards. Uh, so I'm hoping that they just make sure that the movie is still good and they don't just ride the female main lead wave and say, oh, look, we cast someone uh, to lead our superhero movie and she happens to be a woman. That isn't enough to fully get your movie through. It has to be a good movie that deserves this kind of attention. So, we'll see what happens. Right. I think it's hard to get a beat on the overall picture of the movie just from this teaser, because it is a teaser. Like, Absolutely. Definitely a teaser, even more than like the Black Panther teaser, than the Avengers Infinity War. We got an idea of the scale and the scope of those movies from that teaser. I feel like this was just supposed to be like an introduction to the character. Yeah. Uh, and with a couple of familiar faces, I think the de-aging stuff on Samuel Jackson looks amazing. Like, he looks really, really great. Yeah. Um, and even to Clark Gregg to some extent, where they gave him a nice little, you know, little spike to <laughs> A little hair. toupee. Right, exactly. I thought, that was, I thought that was nice to see. I'm very happy to see uh, Phil Coulson back in the movies away from... I mean, he's good in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but he's good back integrated. Um, I've been seeing this thing on the internet. I guess I shouldn't have looked at YouTube comments, but that was my first problem. <laughs> that is but like, a bad mistake. Is, it, is there hate against Brie Larson for some reason? 
Like, she's a tremendous actress. I feel like it's it shouldn't be backlash at this point. We had, we know nothing about the movie, people. Calm down. But I feel like she isn't what people expected. Like, we got a pretty strong female lead out of Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman, where she's a very confident warrior. And Brie Larson just has that kind of soft tone to her voice throughout this whole trailer that might be off-putting to people, or at least raises some eyebrows. Uh, but again, we know nothing about this character. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> like, I would, I would calm down, internet trolls. It's just odd because, like, she has proven time and time and again that she, not only does she have range, but she's capable of pulling off some tough tasks. Like, Room is a really tough movie yeah, if she, you're an actress. she won Best Actress a couple years ago. What right, she was. <laughs> she did a great job in Twenty One Jump Street. She's in Scott Pilgrim. Like, she's awesome. I'm just, I'm excited for her involvement. If I wasn't even a Marvel fan, I'd just be excited to see the movie because she's in it. Um, and it was just interesting to see that there apparently is a divide between what I think and what the internet thinks, which, I mean, may speak good things about me. But anyway. You're also looking at the worst part of the internet. YouTube comments that are among the oh, right, yeah. biggest trash of the earth. <laughs> Having said that, if you're listening, please comment below in our YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but say positive things, please. Don't be mean. Unless you're mean to Jake. We're all mean to Jake. It's okay. Yeah, um, no, it's fine. One more thing before we move on. Have you guys heard about the the bottom left corner of the poster? Have you guys heard anything about this yet? Where there was a dog or something or a cat? It's a cat, the Easter egg. Apparently in the comics, there's this cat. I forget its name. And it's like, it's associated with Captain Marvel. But apparently it looks like a cat, but it's actually got tentacles in its mouth that can make little pocket dimensions or something like that. It's an alien cat. Oh, shit. I see the cat. It's in, it is in the it, bottom you, left You just corner. see its tail. You just see its tail or something like that. But yeah, it's like a little <laughs> Easter egg for anybody who saw it. And I read a comment. I looked it up and sure enough, there it was. I feel Pretty like cool. little tidbit like tidbits like that are going to keep coming out more and more. As oh, we get yeah. More and it just tells material. me, it just reaffirms what we already know. Marvel is only showing us the bare bones to get us excited. There's plenty right. more to come. And they can do whatever they want. Absolutely, they could. Right. They they could show American Beauty's video of a plastic bag floating in the wind, and I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that'll do it for the news segment. A lot of big stuff. We didn't even get to some of the other stuff, like Movie Pass yeah. getting some huge competition. Yeah. Mary Poppins trailer. There's just a ton that we had to bypass because we need to get to our feature review of Shane Black's The Predator. I'm in acquisitions. I look up. And I catch what falls out of the sky. What's on the ship? It's above our big ring. Predators just don't sit around making hats out of rib cages. They conquered space. Light him up! We may die. Come and get us, motherfucker. The Predator was directed and co-written by Shane Black, who, of course, was a co-star in the original 1987 Predator movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he comes back to the series here. Of course, he's best known for Iron Man 3, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. And The Nice Guys, which is also a great movie. Um, so a lot of talent behind this sequel. It is the first Predator movie since 2010 when Predators starring Adrian Brody first came out, which was a fine movie. It's the fifth, no, sixth 
movie overall to feature the Predator. He was first featured in 1987 with the original. Predator 2 with Danny Glover, a crazy, out-of-its-mind movie if you've never seen it. Then they had the two Alien vs. Predator movies, and then Predators in 2010. Uh, Nate, start your thoughts here with what you think about the original Predator, and then kind of move on to what did you so, think. So, for the original Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think that's just such an 80s classic. Uh, it kind of encapsulates all the best things about the genre, and the era, rather. Um, and it, it's honestly just entertaining as all hell, seeing all these huge, big, macho guys um, slowly get killed off one by one until you have Arnold going toe-to-toe, almost caveman-style, mano-a-mano, with this alien with super high-tech armor. It's it's a blast. It's fun. The, the mano-a-mano caveman kind of part uh, with Schwarzenegger was definitely my favorite part of the original as well. Right. That was oh, definitely the coolest It is part. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, aside from, like, the one-liners, like, if it bleeds, it, um, we can kill it or get to the chopper. Like, I don't have time to bleed. Yeah. yeah that, what? That good stuff. <laughs> like, it's just, it's classic 80s. Um, oh, man, I need to call my dad. Um, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, the original, the original Predator is a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, so as far as the Schwarzenegger Predator goes from 1980-whatever it was, um, oh, I didn't really know what to expect, truthfully. I know it's considered some kind of a classic. I haven't, but the first time I saw it was just like two weeks ago. Uh, kind of a roller coaster for me. I didn't really care for it in the beginning. I thought it was, I didn't know this is kind of classic 80s, but I thought it was just a little too ridiculous at times, a little over the top. But I did, I pretty much like everything with the actual Predator. They introduce him in a really cool way. Um, he's really kind of mysterious. He's actually pretty pretty scary because he's invisible a lot of the time at first. So you right. really don't know what to take from him. And then toward the end, Schwarzenegger going toe-to-toe with him was definitely the coolest part of the movie. Right. Um, and he laughs like the the laugh in the Thriller music video. Oh, I didn't like that at all. I didn't like that at all. I was so I was so for the third act until that happened. Then I I was like, "What a great third act!" That that was so weird. Yeah, I also love how it ends with like full house and credits. Yeah, yeah. What was that? I don't know. It's (laughs) so confused. But yeah, I was I was loving the third act until he maniacally laughs like he's I don't know a diabolical like like freaking Austin Powers or something like that. I was like, "What are you doing?" Why would you leave that in the movie? I don't know. But yeah, generally I think it's I think the original Predator is solid, but if I were to watch it again, I would skip to like the halfway mark, personally. Hmm. So the original Predator is just this big testosterone, you know, it's like such a semblance of its era. Uh, John McTiernan, who of course directed the original Die Hard, which is another big, like, machismo classic. Predator's not quite as good as that movie. It's kind of dated a little bit in some points. It has amazing creature design, though, and you guys are right, the cast is amazing. It's just so well put together from Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They have, like, the most manly handshake I've ever seen. It can get a little overbearing at times, but it's really impressive that during that movie you enjoy spending time with these killers, you know, these mercenaries. Uh, it's a really solid film. It's just a really good action movie. Not amazing, but it's very good, very solid. So that brings us to what do we think of today's film? Shane Black's film is kind of a mix of the machismo of that movie mixed with his kind of like witty sensibilities. So guys, there's a lot of hype leading up to this movie. 
They're now back with a loaded cast, a lot of really good actors in here. Boyd Holbrook, who you first saw as the villain in Logan, uh, Trevante Rhodes, who was amazing in Moonlight, Jacob Tremblay, Sterling K. Brown, you got Emmy winners, you got Keegan-Michael Key, Alfie Allen, Thomas Jane, a Punisher's in there, oh my god, Olivia Munn, a lot of talented people, basically the basic premise, a predator comes to Earth, uh, some ex-soldiers have to kill said predator, there are other things in play that I don't, I mean, they've kind of been spoiled in the trailers, but let's keep it vague. Uh, reactions haven't been as sterling as maybe the studio may have wanted. They want this to start a franchise. Shane Black was saying that this might be the kickoff to a new Predator trilogy because everything's that these days. Yeah. Um, but will that last? Jake, what did you think of the Predator? I I was up and down. I thought it was fine. It was fun enough, but nothing really great or special. Um, I didn't really like the very end, like the last minute or so, which is franchise. This is very specific minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I didn't really like how they ended it. Like, the actual end note, I didn't really like at all. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah, but generally, I thought it was just... It was it was fun. It's kind of what you're looking for from Predator movie, I guess. Not quite suspenseful or intense, more action and violent-based. But some decent comedy. I got a kick out of Keegan-Michael Key. Um, damn, I'm already struggling for words. <laughs> I saw it yesterday. Uh, yeah, no, it was generally just pretty fun. Solid movie. Um, overall good cast, um, but really nothing to go home and, you know, bring people to the theater about. It's just fine. Not franchise starting, in my opinion. Oh, boy. Honestly, guys, I hated this movie. <laughs> really? Wow. I I did not like it at I'm all. I'm excited now. Let's hear it. Um, like, I don't think I liked a single human character in this movie. I, I just wanted them all to die, and they didn't start dying until, like, the last ten minutes. <laughs> it hurt my soul. Um, all the human characters are unlikable, and all the violence, which the Predator franchise is known for, is human on human. There's not enough Predator, and this story is a effing mess. Good lord. Like, obviously, it's plot-related, so I'm gonna have to wait till spoilers to get into the parts I really didn't like, but... The flow here is all over the place. I'm not a fan. Ouch. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who do I go more with here? I'm I'm kind of more with Jake. Uh, it's it's a sloppy movie. It is a messy movie. But I kind it was semi enjoyable. It wasn't. It's not a great movie at all. It's gory. It's bloody. But it's sometimes funny. Uh, you're right. The plot is all over the place. It's the mixture of tones that kind of breaks things up weirdly. You know what I mean? It's the sardonic tone that Shane Black brings to it, the self-seriousness of a modern blockbuster, the 80s testosterone that the original Predator had, that they have to mix it all together, and it just... It's a weird, like, time capsule of a movie that just doesn't always come together cohesively, but is bolstered by a really good cast that does some really good things, um, gives more character to the characters than the movie is trying to do. And just some of the violence was really solid, I think. I really liked seeing the creative ways they were pulling these people apart. Like, it got really brutal at points. Like, what did, what did you guys think of the violence? Because I wasn't expecting it to be as hardcore as it was, I don't think. I actually thought it was pretty much on par with what I expected. Yeah, it was rated R. It's a rated R Predator movie. What more do you want? <laughs> right. Well, when we, we have so many movies that just cut the nuts off of stuff, it, it was a little... 
interesting to see that they went full predator here. Yeah, I'm happy they didn't they didn't neuter anything. I was I actually thought it'd be a little more violent if I'm being honest. Not that I'm mad. I just pretty much what I was expecting, violence wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think what you said about um, not liking the characters is interesting, Nate. Because I agree, you don't really relate to any of them. But I thought um, Boyd Holbrook, who's the lead, was was good. I liked him. I liked Keegan Michael Key as the you know co- comedic relief, obviously. And uh, the guy who played Nebraska Williams, Andrew told me his name is Trevante Rhodes. Correct. Yeah, correct. Um, I thought I genuinely did enjoy those three as far as human characters go. And I thought Olivia Mum uh, was fine also. Like I said, I'm not going to go to bat for any of these characters. I didn't love any of them. I didn't really stick with any of them. But I thought they were comedic enough. Um, I thought they were good enough where I could follow them and at least root for some of them. Um, and I actually thought Sterling K. Brown actually gave him a good performance. I generally enjoyed his acting. He was this really cool, suave kind of give no fucks personality. I thought he was really cool. It was odd because I feel like I feel like Shane Black told him to be like just this random sociopath and didn't really give him a lot of direction with it. But he, Sterling K. Brown is such a good actor that he pulls it off. Yeah, I actually did really like him. Mm-hmm. Very different opinions on that front. Then. Well, Nate, I'm going to challenge you a little because like what about these characters do you dislike as opposed to the original Predator? Like – they're all pretty much terrible people. I think it comes down to one of my biggest gripes with all movies ever. It's all about the freaking theme. And Boyd Holbrook even puts the lantern on it, saying, this is about survival. But all of the, the main Marine crew that we're following throughout this are actively seeking out fights with the Predator to try to kill it. Not so that way they maintain their own survival, but because... They need to stop the Predator, and that's the plot of the movie. Well, then I feel like that's a story issue, not a character issue, though. Right. For me, that's that's poor directing. He's not telling the story very well. He's not telling his theme very well. And I, I agree with all of that, but I was all right as far as the characters go. That was one of the only things I actually thought saved the movie from being bad for me, was I was all right with, like, half the characters. This is a f- killer alien from outer space with super high tech. You shouldn't be all gung-ho, like... Oh, let's go kill the Predator and make a funny joke while I do it. Like, yes, you can have funny one-liners. The original Predator did that, and that worked. But, like, they're making jokes before, after, and during the fights with this supposedly savage beast. It's not compelling. Yeah, I don't think me and Jake are pretty far away with you on this one, I guess. I I guess so. And I think it really is helped a lot by the actors. Yeah, a lot of people had an issue with this. The original Predator is a bit thrilling and a bit intense. Shane Black completely does away with that and makes this more of a, a fun action movie, which if you don't like, that's fine. But I think he, even though his themes are a bit eh, he sets that fun action-y tone from the beginning. So I knew what to expect. Yeah, and that's that's what he brings to the table. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's kind of his style. When you go into a Shane Black movie, you kind of expect a lot of the characters to be like that. That's the, the crux of why the nice guys in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang are as good as they are. And why Iron Man 3 and that marriage worked well. Say what you want about any story issues you have with any of those movies. Uh, And I'm not saying that The Predator is any of those movies. I think it's definitely his weakest film. It's sloppy. The storytelling kind of doesn't build to a lot. But I don't think the characters are the problem. I don't. No, if you you want me to agree with you, we could talk story and I'll happily tell you, yeah, the story was pretty sloppy and all over the place. There are story issues. There are dialogue issues. There are times where it just goes way over the top. I wrote down one line while it was happening where Olivia Munn says, getting the fuck out of here is my middle name. Like, what is that? 
Like, that's just overly <laughs> vulgar for no reason. And that's where the machismo and all the stuff mixing together does not work. But when it focuses on Shane Black's strengths and lets the actors like Keegan Michael Key and Trevante Road and Sterling K. Brown do their thing, I was having a good time with it. It's when they, like, focus hardcore on the story. Yeah, then Nate will come over to you. It's a mess. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I guess you guys just found the characters funny. I found them more cringy at best and outright creepy or just wrong tone altogether um, in ways that took me completely out of the movie for the majority of the runtime. Right. I just don't know if I agree with you that the main theme is survival. And that's something that we have to wait for spoilers so I can kind of explain what I what I mean by that. The mental illness stuff is kind of separate. It is kind of odd how they treat mental illness in this movie, though. Uh, there's It's a through line throughout because a lot of the soldiers that Boyd Holbrook kind of meets up with throughout um, have different disabilities. And some of the other characters, like Jacob Tremblay's character, clearly has Asperger's. Um, sometimes they treat it like a superpower, like with Jacob Tremblay, but then other times, like, Thomas Jane is a guy who has Tourette's. Uh, and they play that completely for laughs. So it's, like, all over the place. It's, yeah, it's, it's just strange. It's in poor taste. That took me so out of the movie. Like, it doesn't really become too much of a factor until the halfway through the second act, maybe third act, where it really hits its arc, where you're supposed to, I guess, care more about the characters as they're getting killed off. Um, but it alternates between making fun of the mental illnesses for, like, the weird quirks they have in their personalities or treating them like superpowers and both of those extremes are in just such poor taste, um, not how they work in real life at all, and yes. your movie should not reflect this weird, twisted, like, internet trolley view on the whole thing. I I did not appreciate that in any way, shape, and or form. I am, I am with you there, because when they showed Jacob Tremblay, um, like, resetting all the chess, like, all four chessboards, setting them up exactly as they were when they got knocked down, I was like, oh, he's some kind of, like, super genius, okay. And then you go, oh, yeah, Asperger's. That's not how Asperger's works. As right, right. Yes, like, you're, you're, you're very smart. You're socially different. But you're not like, you're not like the next, um, like, Einstein or something. That's you just can't not figure how it works. out alien technology in two seconds. Yeah, that's just not, it's not how Asperger's works. Right. There, there are times where I feel like the movie does a really good job with that through line of how these people are damaged and all of them are damaged. So they're the perfect people to come off of it. Like, I thought they did some good setup with Trevante Rhodes' character. Uh, and some of the other, you know, like Keegan Michael Key and Thomas Jane, eventually they kind of get some depth and dimension to them. Um, but then other times it's just odd. Uh, those are the kind of things that, like, again, all of it together, there are individual pieces that I liked versus, like, the overall picture right. didn't completely come together. There were uh, parts that I was like, oh, cool. And then the parts that I'm like, let's just get on right. with this. So I think everybody can agree that the main points that we have problems with are storytelling the, I feel like the editing was pretty bad at points. Like, this was a two-and-a-half-hour movie, <laughs> and they chopped it down to an hour 45. Yeah, there's there's a lot of parts that just don't make sense. Just right. flat out, like, how did this character end up here? Right, yes. Why, why did this character do this thing? Oh, it's because they needed to set up this scene 20 scenes later, but they forgot X, Y, and Z in between that it makes a follow-through line. It's horrible editing. And you know what's funny? I know significantly less about editing than either of you. There were parts where even I, who does not know technology, even I was like, ooh, that's that's not great editing. And if I right. can point it out, that's pretty bad. Because <laughs> I'm not good at that. <laughs> uh, 
like my like non-spoiler example, Olivia Munn gets no intro. Like <laughs> they just cut to a shot of her, and then we cut away, and we don't see her again for another five minutes or so. Right. It's yeah, like, it's oh, just... are we, is that uh, like you don't use establishing shots to establish visuals of character? That's what you use for fucking landscapes. You don't use it for people. You want to know a fun one? Right. Yeah. The, yes, I can't wait to hear what um, The main character's wife, I don't remember her name, uh, McKenna. Yeah, played by yeah. Yvonne Stravowski, who used to play, uh, who used to be in Chuck. Yeah, she runs up the stairs, and that's her last on-screen appearance. She does not show up on screen for the rest of the film. Oh, right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just coming back to me now. Oh, man. I also there thought were... the, this isn't really a spoiler, the, the big predator versus the smaller predator was not really edited well either. Right. I remember thinking that fight was kind of like, wait, 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 and then what happened? And then where did he, how did he, okay. Right, so just to establish that part of the plot, because I kept it vague in the intro, the movie's basic premise going along, uh, and this is not really spoilers because it's been all in the trailer, uh, where there's a regular predator who's on Earth, and then there's like a super predator who is like Dwayne the Rock predator. Pretty right, much. exactly. <laughs> yeah. One of them is practical and one of them is CGI. And let me just say that the practical one looked really cooler, I thought. Like, the CGI one was, like, he was hulking and he was intimidating. But, like, there's just something about, like, a physical predator and the design and that amazing design. It resonates with you because you see yeah. it on screen and it's like, oh, my God, that's the predator. But then, yeah. like, you have, like, what is this beast right here? Uh, you know what? As we're talking about it, I'm starting to like it a little bit less. sorry i didn't mean to do that i looked at a theater like all right and my you know my dad asked me how was it and i'm like it's fine you don't need to go see it in theaters but if you catch it on it's fine right now that we're talking about it i'm like oh you're right there's that that's a little problem that's Uh, a little problem you feel a little grimier now that's a little problem no but here's the thing you're (laughs) so low on it that i feel like i have to defend it like i overall yeah i'm feeling the same thing as jake is too like i'm liking it less and less but i i (laughs) You're just at the bottom. I cannot go where you are. Yeah, no, I'm not where Nate is, but I'm I'm definitely feeling like then oh, I man. will gladly rip this to shreds when we get to the <laughs> territory let's, at the bottom of the Let's just head there. Here. Let's just do it. Let's figure out exactly how far on the bottom he is and get to our ratings here before we head yeah. into our spoiler section. If you're just joining us for the first time on the Middle Seats podcast, we rate things by the seat scale. If we love a movie, if we think it's amazing, and there's no flaws whatsoever, like Nate probably will give this movie a royal throne. Um, that's what it's called. The Royal Throne is the rating. Um, if we think a movie is really good but has, a, like, minimal flaws, so it's not perfect, we give it a plush recliner. If we think it's a movie that's solid but has some pretty glaring flaws, we give it a wooden seat. If we think the inverse of that for a movie, if we think it's something with minimal positives, but there are, they are there, and then some glaring weaknesses, we give it a damp lawn chair. And then if we think a movie is totally awful, we give it a sleazy outhouse. And if we think the movie should be seen in theaters, we give it the moniker with a bag of popcorn. Nate, I want you to go last. I'll go second. Okay. <laughs> Jake, you go first. All right. Um, no bag of popcorn here. Um, you don't need to see this in theaters. I'm currently at a, at a wooden seat, but I can see this movie degrading a little bit over time. Like, I can see some termites eating that wooden seat, and then you put it out on a lawn. But Right. Right now, I'm at a I'm at a wooden seat. I'm okay with it. It's not great by any means. It's all right. It was entertaining enough for me to go. Okay, I don't regret watching this, but it's certainly not anything special by any means. And as we're discovering throughout this podcast, I'm getting a little bit lower on it as we talk. So, if you come back to me, 
in a few months, I may feel differently. But for now, I'm at a I'm at a wooden seat. My goal is to come back to you in a few minutes here, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you'll change me that quickly, but we'll see. Hey, Jake, the trick is to mutinate, and then you won't move. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Like, I'm also there. Like, there are some big, gaping flaws with this movie. Uh, overall, though, as I was going through it, I was, like, having a pretty decent time. Like, an acceptable time. It's forgettable, so it's fun. I don't know, because I feel like I I went wooden seat with Happy Time Murders, and I'm regretting that, and I should have gone with damp lawn chair. (laughs) Because you were more up than me and Nate were. Right. Like, this is the second straight episode where I'm, like, in between damp lawn chair and wooden seat. I always struggle with this. This time, I think I'm going to go with damp lawn chair. It's a nice damp lawn chair. It's comfortable. It's like a waterbed. (laughs) But, like, (laughs) that's where I'm at. Like, it's... This is a a movie you rent. It's a forgettable action movie with some pretty glaring weaknesses, a good cast, some fun blood and gore. Uh, but that's right. kind of a disappointing ceiling when we have Shane Black as the director, and it's in the Predator series. Right. I did expect better, but it is what it is, I guess. All, All right, right, Nate, let's hear it. Here's the wind-up. <laughs> the wind-up, the pitch, and here is my failed attempt at a bunt here because this <sighs> is hands down the worst movie I have seen all year. This is an easy sleazy outhouse oh, for me. get the fuck out of here. I, <laughs> I, wow. I did not enjoy any more than three minutes at a time with this movie wow. because Jesus. I did not I did not like any of the characters as written. Maybe they were acted alright. Maybe I'll give you guys that little bit like the actors did okay with what they got. But the dialogue was so cringy. Uh, the some of the things that people did just flat out didn't make sense. It annoyed the crap out of me. And then to top it all off, all of the fun predator stuff wasn't nearly enough to keep this movie going for me. Because all of the the majority of the violence in this movie is human on human. Because there's a group of humans that is being so asininely stupid that they're trying to kill off are heroes solely because they know about the predator exists like it's it's dumb just get on the same side and have a fun adventure with the predator or the two predators because there's two of them now it was just such poor pacing such poor editing blah i i got angry and angrier the more we watched it and i i'm obviously heated now (laughs) clearly yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try to calm down a little bit here. Sorry. Well, this should no, be good. this should I, be fun. I love the whatever. Oh, what is that word? Enthusiasm. Yes, Nate. I love, <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. Oh man, I, all about I, it. I, I was I was just so frustrated watching this movie. And I see, really really. If was. I liked this movie, I might be slightly annoyed, but I wouldn't say I even liked it. It's just it's it's all right. So I'm I, that's fine. If you want to hate it, please by all means. Yeah, I'm not like gonna go f- too far to bat. Yeah, this no, one. me neither. I do have some things that I know I disagree with you about, though, and right. I think those would be better served in spoiler section. Um, if you have not seen the Predator, tune out now. If you have seen the Predator, join us in our spoiler section. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler! Spoiler! Excuse me, spoiler alert! All right, uh, let, let's talk about this kid, to, for starters. Because the the kid played by Jacob Tremblay is pivotal to this movie, both character-wise and plot-wise. As a child actor, 
I don't think he was awful. He definitely wasn't great by any stretch, but, like, he wasn't awful. But his whole shtick is that the Predator wants to take him because his autism is apparently the next stage in human evolution, and that can make the Predators even more powerful. I, I have no idea what the hell Shane Black was thinking of making this the focal point of your movie. Am I wrong there? Well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you because there are real like psych- psychological and scientific theories that uh, do believe that, that some people with autism and Asperger's are actually the next step because their brains see differently than us and they're hyperactive, hypersmart, blah, blah, blah. It's not like one specific task or it's like it is still a mental condition that a lot of people live with, some suffer through. It shouldn't be the focal point of your action movie to say, oh, you have autism? You have a superpower. No, superpower I agree with. But as far as predator interest, I thought that was fascinating. I was not mad about that. If the movie was more focused, it might have worked better. Like, right. Like, it's kind of a, it feels like a one-off. Like, it just feels like... Let's take take the autism part out of it. Um, And let's just focus on this kid's existence in the movie. The main character, uh, Quinn McKenna, wants to make sure his son gets safe. But then proceeds to drag his son along through all this, like, action-adventure stuff. Once you get your son safe from the Predator, just keep your son safe from the Predator. Why are you hunting the Predator with your son? The second act is getting to his son. Right, yeah. You gotta, you gotta come up with a better string of events to keep the sun in the picture if that's what you want to do with your movie. Because that's what this movie wanted to do. And why is a 10-year-old with Asperger's out trick-or-treating on his own? Yeah. Jake, <laughs> they never address how he murdered someone. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that, I think that's all, like, nitpicky stuff, like plot stuff, but it's a nice segue into, I think, the biggest flaw in the movie for me, and that is the federal government, who is hands down the biggest bad guys through all this. Like, that weird government agency is more antagonizing than the Predator. I think for every scene that they're in, up until the third act where they say, oh, I guess we got to work together now, even though we've literally killed each other two seconds before. Can anybody come up with a good reason why that branch of the military needs to fight McKenna's squad through the entirety of this movie? No, not really, to be honest. Yeah, I was honestly, I was pretty confused by that also. (laughs) Because Olivia Munn's character is a vital asset to learning about the Predators, and they go from explaining everything to her in one scene to wanting to kill her in the next because she knows everything that right. they just told her. Right. It was like, it's sloppy, 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 sloppy. Right, yeah. The whole thing was like, oh, nobody should know, but there are bigger things going on than that. Right. So. <laughs> Jake, I think you've talked about this before on the show and then storytelling. It's basically the idea that, like, this happens in the movie, and then this happens, and then it's not building towards anything. It's just a series mm-hmm. of events that occurs. Mm-hmm. And Nate, you kind of alluded to that earlier. It just feels like things are happening at the end. I agree the third act is a bit of a mess, and it ends with one of the worst sequel-baiting things I've ever seen. Yeah, I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, like, mm. that was dumb. <laughs> that was so stupid. Hang on, hang on. Who thought at least for a half second that it was either going to be an alien the queen alien. in there yeah, <laughs> or the other one that I saw um, was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like I thought Schwarzenegger. Him. I did. I, I, thought, I did. I thought the alien. 
I I because I, I, I saw the shape of it and I was like, oh, is that is that the xenomorph? And I was like, wait a minute, that would be a terrible idea. Why would they let him take out the predator? I I dead ass thought if Schwarzenegger steps out of that thing, I swear to God. <laughs> it would have been a better really ending did. than the one we got instead of rip off Iron Man. <laughs> and then they start playing dun 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 dun. It's like so. Oh, the wait. other my other question was, um, so the, that whole thing, the the smaller classical predator, brought that to Earth, to help us, right? Yeah, to warn us. Yes. Basically, why? So that they don't wipe us out. You know what I mean? But isn't that their idea? No, that is the like <laughs> the regular predators just want to hunt. They right. don't want like they don't want to wipe out existence. They're just there. Right. They just, they want to better themselves by taking the best warriors from the galaxy. Right. And I think it's the right. idea that you know, I Nate, this is where I agree disagree that survival is not the theme of the movie. I think the theme of the movie is survival of the fittest. It's the idea that humanity, even the weakest of humanity, even the most damaged of humanity, can go toe to toe with these alien species. And that's the thing that kind of rings true in the end. It's the idea that the predators think that they can come into our neighborhood and just step on shit. But you know what? We step on you when you come into town. <laughs> Except all the other humans are going to kill each other before the predator even gets well, to you. <laughs> I, I didn't mention that part. I, I didn't say it was perfect. I know, I, know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I kind of get where you're going there, Drew. Um, and I think that definitely rings a little bit true once you get to the wood section. Right. But again, that's the last 15 minutes of this movie. And everything building up to that point is either alternating between praising mental illnesses for being awesome or making fun of mental illnesses and saying, oh, look how weird these soldiers are acting around normal, everyday people. Look how creepy they're being to Olivia Munn's character on the bed. Like, why is that in a Predator movie? Right. (laughs) You know? Why is that in any movie? (laughs) It doesn't belong anywhere, period. Yeah, it's not perfect. <laughs> you know what, what po- one positive I would like to bring up, though, and you can agree with, you could disagree, uh, Nate, but I actually did kind of like, I wish they built it up more because it could have been better, but I did like the shot of Coyle and his buddy with the Tourette's. They're both dead. They both are either impaled or missing organs, and they both decide out of love and friendship to take each other out. And I was like, that's actually kind of nice. I actually kind of feel that. One of the few things that I really went, you know what, that I really, really did like that. You pointed out 30 good seconds of the movie, Jake. I'm proud of but you. No, 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 no. They, they planted the seeds of that earlier. I also really liked the tender conversation between Trevante Rhodes and Boyd Holbrook when they're at the hotel, and then you find out he tried to kill himself. Right, like, yeah, I like Stuff that like too. that. Like, I thought those were little quiet, tender scenes, and like, a much worse movie would have bypassed. I, Nate, I know. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say individual moments weren't good because like every movie is a million and a half different scenes and you can have brief good moments in your movie, but the way it's strung all together just overall made it a poor experience. Right. So yeah, I... a tender moment like there is cool, but make me like the character outside of that tender moment. Mm. I didn't at all. I did wish they built up uh, those two. Keegan-Michael Keane, who plays the guy with the Tourette's? Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. I kind of wish they built that up just a little bit more, for better effect. But I did like, even the shot, the way he shot it, um, or like the the camera angle, that whole scene, even if it was 30 seconds, like Nate said, I did like that a lot, actually. Right. Something we haven't addressed that I thought was really odd, and I thought somebody would really lay into at this point, 
the fuck is up with the predator dog? Like the lobotomized predator dog that they oh. bring along for the. <laughs> okay, okay. So just for our viewers that aren't going to see this movie and just want to understand this thing, the predators have dogs that also have dreadlocks. For <laughs> yeah. <I guess. laughs> yeah. Um, there are two of them that go after the, the little boy um, in a baseball field. And at the last second, all the Marines show up and go after the dogs. They successfully kill one of them, and they get 80% of the way there for the second one, but let it run off, or not even run off, it walks off the baseball field and kind of just does its own thing for like a solid 20, 30 minutes of the movie. And then it comes back after they chose not to kill it for some unexplained reason to befriend Olivia Munn's character. Right. And then it becomes their friend and it fights the other predators for the rest of the movie. It is such a backwards, weird thing that is never explained. <laughs> it just it's just like adds on to the chocolate syrup of stupidity that was this movie's third act. Yeah, there were there were times where I thought it was like some okay comedic relief and some point I was like still with the dog? Right. Still? Like, <laughs> why is he still here? It, yeah. <laughs> it went on for like 40 minutes, and it's like, mm-hmm. is he going to yeah. do anything, or is he just going to, like, right. like just he, load him in the just... van and make him play fetch? Or... Yeah, I'm not really. And they did. They, like, threw things so it would run away, and then it came back. And I'm like, part of this is cute, and part of it's like, Shane Black, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's some pretty poor CG towards the end of the movie. I don't know if you guys are aware, and Nate is going to be like, of course, oh, of course they did. But they reshot the entire third act, and they still mm-hmm. didn't make it that much better. But like you can tell, with some there's some bad green screen when yeah. they're hovering on the side they, of the. They reshot the entire ending because the test screenings were bad. Right, and so I mean, <laughs> and like, oh, wow. I don't know how much better they made it. I want to see what those test screenings were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, mm-hmm. because I think we all agree that that was the weakest part, that third act. The big predator kind of went out anticlimactically. Like he accidentally, or like something happens where he blows himself up, and then he just kind of falls off, and uh, I don't know. I thought something bigger was going to happen. Mm. I was like, that's how he goes. This giant. Like Andrew said, like it's basically Schwarzenegger with a rock as a predator, and he like, <laughs> he like blows himself up. Right. Like, All right. Just see on. you then. Yeah. I I guess that's it. <laughs> uh, we need to start wrapping up soon. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah, I'm done with this movie. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Get us home, Nate. Again, all my subjective opinion. Obviously, I got a little heated, um, and I want to make clear that this is not nostalgia talking. I've only seen the original Predator, I think, twice. Um, Once recently, once a long time ago. Um, I'm not married to this franchise. It doesn't (laughs) have a huge identity in my mind as something that it needs to adhere to. This was just a bad movie. The characters, actors aside, um, were very poorly written. The plot was all over the place. And I cannot stress enough that some of the things that this movie decides to do about some kind of sensitive topics are just plain stupid. So I'm going to reiterate that this is a sleazy outhouse for me. (laughs) It is the equivalent of the poop that the main character had to take to get that little invisibility ball out of his butt. Wow, look at you. And that also was odd. (laughs) Very much so. And I don't even I don't even want to get into the sense of why this why he only took one poop in between when he shipped that from freaking Mexico <laughs> when he got here. It took a while to pass through his system. <laughs> so Well done, Nate. Well done. Anyway. I, I'm I'm very much done with this movie. Not worth your time. 
All right, well, that'll do it. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. Um, I thought it was all right. I think, so for me, I didn't think it was a piece of crap. It was entertaining enough. It was fine enough for me to go, sure, I don't regret seeing it. And I don't regret seeing it. It may get a little worse as time goes on. That happens to me with some movies, some better, some worse. Um, I thought this was just okay. If you're a fan of the Predator franchise, fine. If you like some relatively mindless, violent action, this may be for you. But generally, this is not a must-see. It was a little disappointing, considering it was Shane Black. I was hoping for better. You know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Nice Guys are some great, great action comedies. Right. So I was hoping for something a little bit better from him, but I don't know. Just kind of okay. I'm excited for October. Yeah, I think the worst part of it is just that it's disappointing. Given yeah, I was for all of the talent involved. I was just bummed out that it wasn't the great movie that I was hoping it could be. Uh, it's it's a forgettable, fine action movie. Like a decent rent, I think. If you rented this, you wouldn't have a problem with it. But it's kind of got a problem that we've seen a lot this year. I've personally seen with like Jurassic World and The Meg Ugh. and Pacific Rim Uprising. All of these movies feel cut from the same cloth. Like, they do certain things correctly, and then they get certain things way wrong. And that just, it's just another generic blockbuster. When it comes down to the overall picture, it's a mess with positive things in it. And that's like, you know, that's the definition of a damp lawn chair. So, you know what? I am pretty happy that I went with that. Anyway, that'll do it for the end of our Predator review, and for the end of this episode of the Middle Seats Podcast. Before we go, Nate Longarini, have you calmed down yet? Can we... Can you tell us calmly where you can find us on the internet? Alrighty. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on both SoundCloud and iTunes. For any questions, comments, or updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook and Twitter, both at The Middle Seats. If you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. We've got a big couple of weeks coming up september kind of ends with a whimper um but then we'll have some big reviews we're going to probably have a couple of double reviews we've got to get to venom we've got to get to a star is born we've got to get to bad times at the el royale first man they're all coming at the beginning of october we've got halloween which one of the member of the crew has already seen whoop 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 um Anyway, in between all that, be sure to check off our spinoff episodes, Freeze Frame, where we jump on our time machine and head back in time. The next one will probably be related to Venom or Star is Born. We don't exactly know yet. Stay tuned for that. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Middle Seats Podcast. For Nate Longarini and Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Jay. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.